Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fight Island, Davison Figueredo versus Joseph Benavidez. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night. Davison Figueredo gets to rematch Joseph Benavidez for the vacant flyweight title. And someone's going to walk home the undisputed flyweight champion. Yeah, anytime these two guys step into the cage, I mean, it's usually chaos, especially with Figueredo. I mean, this guy's got a chin of steel, uh... You know, they don't call him God of War for no reason. I mean, he goes out there to really hunt guys down and get the finish. And Benavidez as well has got a lot of finishes. One of the best, you know, uh, you know, lighter weight class fighters to do it, you know, for the past decade or so. He's been in the top five his whole career. So he, he, he's getting another title opportunity. Let's see if he can do it. A tough task with Figueredo, but... Uh, We'll see what happens. You know, Davison is bar none, the hardest hitter in the flyweight division. And Joseph Benavidez is a legend of the sport. I mean, he's a guy we grew up watching in the WEC. He was the first uh, fighter to ever compete at flyweight in the UFC. First man to ever score a knockout in the flyweight division. Now he's trying to be a champion. He's going to have a very tall order here Saturday night. Cannot wait for that fight. Make sure y'all go to bestfightpicks.com to check out our plays. And Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Sergey Spivak, he's 10-2, and two, and Carlos Felipe is 8-0. and no. Currently, they got Sergey Spivak minus 160. The comeback on Carlos Felipe is plus 140. So, I mean, obviously we know the deal with Sergey Spivak. I mean, he was known for those schoolyard headlocks on the regional scene in the UFC. It hasn't quite been the prettiest. But for Carlos Felipe, this is a guy that got signed to the UFC in 2017. Unfortunately, he popped. So he's been suspended by USADA this entire time. Now he's making his return. I mean, I know he took a boxing match in 2018. But from what I've seen from this guy, he'll come out and he'll bomb on you early. Uh, I'm kind of curious what happens if it goes down the stretch or what his ground credentials are. But... Man, I have a feeling he might come out here and bomb on Spivak and clip him. So, actually, I I'm going to go with uh, the Brazilian here. Yeah, you know, this fight's interesting. You know, this fight kind of reminds me of uh, the the Dante Mays fight and the, uh, the, the Nascimento fight, that uh, big Brazilian heavyweight. You know, he, one side really doesn't have much, you know, tape on him, uh, Brazilian guy. But against a guy that we know, let's just be honest here, Spivak, we know it's never going to pan out. So, you know... Uh, I think it's a good spot for Felipe to possibly get an upset here. Spivak, you know, he had, he had the nice one over to in there, man. He just kind of, you know, uh, he looked slow and kept getting taken down. And, and I'm interested to see if Spivak can hit the takedowns against this guy. But I'll go with Carlos Felipe. I'll, I'll say by first round knockout. And next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Davi Hamosh, he's 10-3, and and Armand Sarukian is 14-2. and Currently, they got Armand Sarukian minus 200. The comeback on Davi Hamosh is plus 170. Uh, Shaq, uh, on paper, it's a jiu-jitsu ace versus a stud wrestler. Should be one hell of a fight. Uh, you think it stays standing most of the time, or you think these guys are going to go ahead and try to find out who's the superior grappler? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a good question because, you know, Sarukian, he's a super young kid, man. I, I, I forgot how young he was. He's only like uh, 24 now, I believe, or 25. So, you know, uh, and he's already got a win like OAM, fought Islam very tough. Armand Sarukian fought very good with uh, Islam Makachev and Ramos also fought Islam, in, which he got beat up pretty badly. Uh, it's a good matchup because Armand, I feel like he's still developing. He's got a lot more roof, uh, room to improve, a, a lot more. So, you know, with all this time off, he's probably going to look a lot better. Ramos, 
you know, probably done improving, but he's a solid guy. Big bombs on the feet, uh, black belts, got some good wins as well. It's just, uh, as far, as far as winning a decision in Abu Dhabi, I, I feel like the uh, you know the odds are against him uh, in this spot against Saruki, and I feel like he's gonna really have to hurt Saruki and, and and somewhat dominate this fight to win. And I don't think that's gonna happen. So I'm probably gonna go with Saruki. And I think it's gonna be a tough fight though, because I'm not sure if Sarukian skills are are quite there yet. I mean, his stand up is very stiff. He you know he can't really box. He's got some like a good volume of kicks though. He uh, it, it it should be improving. So, but I, I see it being a closely matched fight. But I'm gonna say Armand probably outworks him uh, to a decision. Yeah, look, both these guys are badass. I mean, obviously, you remember when we cashed that max bet on Davi Hamosh against Chris Gritzmacher. This guy's got some of the nastiest jujitsu in the UFC against Nick Hine. That Kimura to the back take was absolutely disgusting. And, I mean, he can throw big bombs on the feet. Uh, man, I was kind of alarmed by that last fight against Islam Makachev. Like, I get it. I know Makachev is a badass, but, like, seven strikes landed in 15 minutes. Like, that was not good, man. That was that was a very alarming performance by Davi. Now, granted, he's already had that experience fighting in Abu Dhabi. And, I mean, he won medals in jiu-jitsu in Abu Dhabi. So, he's got experience there, man. So, he's coming back now. The thing with this fight with Armin, I agree with you. It is going to be kind of close. I just feel like Armin is kind of going to be the one who's, you know, dictating the center of the cage. going to, you know, push him up against the fence and have those relentless takedown attempts. And, yeah, you know, Dhabi could catch him with, uh, with a guillotine or something like that. Or he could, you know throw some big bombs, but I feel like Armand Sarukian is going to kind of be dictating the tempo and controlling where this fight goes. So for that reason, I'm going to take the the very young Armand Sarukian to get it done. Now, real quick, in the flyweight division, let's just give a quick pick uh, between Malcolm Gordon and Amir Albazi. Uh, who you got? You got the Canadian or you got the Swedish guy? I'll take the, uh, I'll take the Swede Albini on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Prince Amir Albazi uh, as well. Uh, We're Albazi, what, what, man. What I heard from Malcolm X Gordon is that uh, you know back in the day he got laid out a couple times. His chin ain't the best, but the kid can scramble, so it should be a very exciting fight. And all I know about Amir is that he's been solid. His only loss is to one of the best flyweights outside the UFC, which is uh, Jose Shorty Torres. So not bad. Uh, we'll see what these kids got. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Brett the Pikey Johns. He's 16-2, and two, and Montel Quick Jackson is 9-1. and one. Currently, they got Montel Jackson, minus 210. The comeback on Brett Johns is plus 175. Uh, Shaq, this is one of the best fights on the entire card. Serious Bantamweight prospect showdown. And, uh, man, two guys were high on. How you see it going down? This is a great fight because Brett Johns, he's a... He's a tough customer, man, and and Montel Jackson, you know, uh, a lot of people since we saw him on Contender Series have been saying, you know, com making comparisons to to John Jones and and Sterling, uh, you know, et cetera. So I'm excited. This is his his big test because Johns, I would consider him like a top, you know, twenty guy uh, somewhere in that range, top twenty five for sure. Um, so we're really gonna see what Montel's made of this time. I feel like Montel, it's one of those things where. Yeah, I, you know, I understand there's been some action coming in on Brett Johns this week. They're taking shots because, I mean, Brett, Brett Johns is a good fighter and you, and you got a good line. So I definitely understand. I definitely understand that angle. It's just, 
man, I feel like he's in an uphill battle in this fight, man. I, I, I can see him having some success early if Montel is somewhat a little hesitant, you know, right out the gates. This is a big fight. And sometimes he is a little bit hesitant to let his hands go. But once he finds his, finds his range and... Another thing is Brett Johns kind of has a tendency to run himself into the ground sometimes, man. You know, in every single fight, even the ones that he wins, you know, there's times where he shells up and he gives up his back and, you know, he almost gets choked out and or takes an unnecessary amount of punches. But he'll get away with that because he's a tough guy. But I feel like if he does that against Montel Jackson, the damage uh, that he's going to sustain is going to be too much to come back from, man. I mean, you look at that last fight against Colores. I mean, I was I was getting uh, uh, that was getting kind of scary, but I understand that it ha Montel hasn't fought, uh, beaten anyone at this level. But man, he beat Kelleher in a round uh, in his, in his, for his first UFC win, and I still think the kid. Uh, I, I I do think the kid has top fifteen potential, so I think he's gonna uh, tough this one out. I think it's gonna go fifteen minutes. I think it's gonna be a tough fight, but I think that uh, the last two rounds, especially, is when you're gonna see Montel take over this fight. Shaq. Uh you know what this fight reminds me of? It reminds me of John Jones versus Ryan Bader. I mean, both guys were the prospects having their little showdown back in the day before Jones was champion. And uh, it, it was one of those situations where, you know, Ryan was the stud wrestler, but then Jones goes out there and takes him down right away to prove a point. And I kind of see this one being, the, you know, the same kind of ordeal. Everyone's saying that Montel Jackson has to keep this standing. And while I do think he's got a big edge on the feet, I mean, you and I both know Montel is that cocky. Montel is that competitive. Montel wants to prove he can beat you at your own game. Montel is going to come out here and take down Brett Johns just to prove a point, and they're going to have some interesting scrambles. But when it gets back up on the feet, and you already know the deal, when Brett Johns starts getting a little tired, he starts doing this thing where he starts shelling up, he starts covering up, and then he eats a bunch of unnecessary punches. Uh, you remember those 20-punch uh, combos Montel's been getting off on his last few fights. So I'm telling you right now, if Brett Johns does that little cover-up thing against Montel, he might get knocked out. But the bottom line is that, look, Montel can simply do things that other men can't. I mean, that UFC debut on six-day short notice, he was in the worst spot you can be in in an MMA fight, uh, you know, face down, ass up, fully back-mounted. And, you know, all Ricky Simone had to do was just pound him out. The fight's going to be over shortly after. But Montel uses his long limbs to trap the wrist of Ricky Simon, and Ricky couldn't get off on any damage whatsoever. It was truly amazing. And now with full camps, you've seen the kind of performances he's been putting on. I mean, you know, people will criticize his cardio. In that last fight against Felipe Kolarish, he unloads the clip trying to get the guy out of there in the first round. You could see he was kind of tired. Still comes out that second and third and continues the domination. So I, I think this kid is something special. Look, I like Brett Johns. Brett Johns is a fantastic fighter. Brett Johns came through for me at Dog Money against Tony Gravely. I like the kid a lot. It's just that he's fighting Montel Jackson here. So that that's kind of the issue. Uh Look, I'm going with uh, the guy I said is the, the future champion of the Bantamweight division. I'm going Montel Jackson uh, to get this one done. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Joel Alvarez. He's 16-2, and two, and Irish Joe Duffy is 16-4. and four. Currently, they got Joe Duffy minus 345. The comeback on Joel Alvarez is plus 285. Well, Shaq, we got uh, the guy that beat Conor McGregor versus uh, the best fighter from Spain in lightweight history. How you see this one going down? Yeah, you know, this is an interesting fight. Duffy's been off for a while. We know we know the deal with Duffy, man. He, uh, 
didn't live up to expectations and now he fights you know once a year once every 18 months you know you know the deal now alvarez is a developing fighter you know that we know that his wrestling you know is pretty garbage uh we know uh but we know that he's a tough kid we know that he ain't gonna quit uh we know he's got some good jujitsu as well off his back um you know, Joe Duffy definitely should be the favorite, deserves to be the favorite, and, and more than likely will win the fight. It's just like, Dan, who has who Joe Duffy really beaten? Mitch Clark. Is that it? What's, his, what's, what's uh, Joe Duffy's best win? Reza, uh, besides Conor McGregor, Reza Madadi. So, I mean, like, Joe Duffy really ain't done shit in, he, in every big fight that he's had. He's a... Uh, He's gotten absolutely dominated, and for the most part, he got dominated against Dustin Vick and uh, and uh, Mark. So I wouldn't be shocked if Joel Alvarez came out here and maybe you know lost the the first two rounds on two cards and was able to get the third round finish. I feel like he's got one of those type of spirits, but at the same time, if Joe just shoots at his legs, he's probably going to get the takedown. But uh, I think it's a dog or pass situation. Joe Duffy. He's been off for a while. He hasn't beaten anybody. I mean, uh, it's kind of like uh, it's like one of those things where, yeah, he's got the name, but like he hasn't really done shit, you know. Look, this fight kind of reminds me of like Marlon Vera versus Brad Pickett. Back then, Marlon Vera was the green guy who you know needed so much work. It's not the Marlon Vera we look at today. And, I mean, look, I see Joel Alvarez in kind of the same light. He's still early on in his UFC career. He still has a lot of work. He comes from a scene in Spain where they don't have any good fighters. They don't have good training. So, literally, this guy's like a pioneer over there. You know what I mean? And, uh, look, the guy went, you know, what, 15-1 and one outside the UFC. And you look at those 15 guys he beat, and then you compare him to Demir Ismagulov, who he fought in his UFC debut. And that's such a massive step up in competition. And if Joel Alvarez was really as trash as everyone says he is, he would have got finished in the first round by Demir Ismagulov. Now, granted, I know he got schooled, but the fact that he got that experience behind him, I mean, he comes out his next fight, and I thought he won all the stand-up exchanges. I wish his takedown defense was better. Obviously, he's got no wrestling whatsoever, but look, won all the stand-up exchanges, and when it got on the mat, he attacked for triangles. He swept the guy. It was a beautiful sweep. You know, he trapped his wrist uh, behind his back and pounded him out. I was like, damn, that was nice. Uh, you know, if on this year off or in this year off, if he can just level up a little bit more to catch up with a declining Joe Duffy, I mean, he might be able to come out here and get this upset. It's just that it's going to be one of those situations where Duffy's probably going to be winning the majority of the fight. You know, he's going to get takedowns. I mean, look, Joe Duffy's better across the board in terms of the skill set. He's just not better in the mental aspect. You know, uh, I think this kid Alvarez wants it more than Joe Duffy. So it's about... Can Joe Duffy use his technique to bail him out and avoid any tough situations? Because I'll tell you this, if this kid lands a big knee to the chin on Joe Duffy, if this kid lands a head kick, if this kid sweeps Joe Duffy, I can see him going ahead and finishing this fight. So I think it is a dog or pass situation. I mean, I get why uh, Joe Duffy's favorite. He's the better guy. But, man, I think Joel Alvarez is the tougher guy. And if he's leveled up at all on this time off, might be live for an upset. So I'm going to actually take the dog here. We'll see what happens. Now, next up, we got an 150-pound catchweight as Grant Dawson, who's 15-1, and one, takes on Nadner Amani, who's 12-3. and three. 
Currently, they got Grant Dawson minus 255. The comeback on Nad Naramani is plus 215. Uh, Shaq, a lot of people are saying Nad Naramani is a live underdog here. Do you agree? Man, uh, it's a it's a it's a good matchup. Nad's a tough kid. You know, he got knocked out his last fight. He was actually doing pretty good in that fight against Grundy, Rock Grundy, uh, before he got finished. And Dawson, man, I I, I like Dawson. I, you know, I'm not sure if I'd say he's like a future champion or like a future, you know, top ten guy. But I definitely think he can. You know, m- maybe hit the rankings one day. I I think he's got a lot of potential. His stand up seems. They'd be getting better. We know the deal with the takedowns. He can chain off a bunch of them uh, over and over. He's got a good camp with Krause in them. So I, I like Grant Dawson. But Nad, you know, Nad, uh, just how they match up, I feel like Nad, he has to land a big bomb to, to win this fight because I just feel like Dawson's work rate is just too much. And Nad's a tough guy who, who can work as well. But when you look at his UFC career, he fought two Bantamweights, still Anderson Dos Santos, who, you know, is barely UFC level and uh, Khalid Taha, who was at Bantamweight as well. So, you know, he's still kind of unproven if he can take out a, a real featherweight uh, in the UFC. He is a tough guy, um, but I just see Greg Dawson being a step ahead. I, I feel like uh, as long as he doesn't come out here with a, a plan to box, which, you know, he never does. I feel like his work rate with the takedowns and in the clinch is just going to be a little bit too much for Nat. Slow Nat down. And when Nat slows down, he gets really sloppy. That's when he starts leaving his chin in the air. And I feel like Dawson's going to more than likely come out here and get the win. Yeah, this is a situation where I feel like the early going is going to be very competitive. It's going to be back and forth. You know, Nat Nermani might even get some takedowns of his own. He's a very solid guy. Uh but I feel like the later this fight goes, you know, down the stretch, that's kind of where Grant Dawson can take over. And, uh, you know, Grant Dawson, I, I like his cardio. I like that he knows exactly where his strengths lie. He's going to be relentless with the takedown attempts. So at least he's not going to come out here and, you know, try to kickbox or anything like that. And, you know, I do agree that, you know, I, I don't really consider him to be a, t- a future top 15 guy, and I could be way off. But I still think he's solid, man. I think he's a decent prospect, and Nad Nermani is very, very solid as well. Uh, I see this being a fun back-and-forth fight with Grant Dawson slightly edging it. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Kadis Ibrahimov. He's 8-2, and two, and Roman Dolidze is 6-0. and oh. Currently, they got Roman Dolidze, minus 170. The comeback on Kadis Ibrahimov is plus 150. Well, uh, Shaq... Uh, the deal with this guy, Roman Dolidze, is he hasn't fought since 2018 because he popped, uh, you know, similar to this other guy we were talking about. So he's been out with a USADA suspension. And I don't know if you saw some of his regional footage, but uh, let's just say I'm not surprised that this guy popped, uh, you know, with USADA. So now coming back, you know, this is the first time he competes unjuiced. Uh, we'll see what he looks like. It's an interesting matchup because, look, Kadisi Bragimov, the big issue has been that he comes out super hard, doesn't pace himself, and then he gasses out and his opponents are able to kind of take over. And, man, this might be the first time in his UFC career where he actually has the experience edge in a spot. And I feel like, look, Kadis, how, how old is my boy Kadis? Let me look it up real quick. So Kadis, he's only 25 years old. So I feel like he just needs to make a slight adjustment. If he can come out here and just pace himself a little bit better, then I actually think he can come out here and win this fight. It's just can you trust 
Cadiz to do that because based on his history, he hasn't done that so far. But at the same time, you could also look at it like, hey, he was in there with Ed Herman. Maybe he thought it was this big joke. Maybe he thought, hey, I'm just going to go out there, get rid of Ed Herman real quick, and we'll be on our way. And when that didn't happen, you know, a guy in Ed Herman who's won 13 times inside the UFC was able to show him some vet tricks. The thing is that Romando Lidze is only 6-0, and so he's not going to come out here with the kind of experience that Daun Jung or Ed Herman have. And I get why Dolidze is favored. You know, on his regional footage, it was one of those things where, like, he kind of taunts the guys he's in there with. He kind of talks a lot, but then he'd randomly knock them the fuck out, like, out stiff, out cold. But, like, up until the KOs, it really wasn't that impressive. So, man... If Cadiz, if I knew for a fact that Cadiz was actually going to pace himself this time, if I knew for a fact that Cadiz learned from his mistakes, I might actually bet him here, but I don't know that. But I'm still going to pick him, uh, you know, reluctantly. But, like, I feel like, dude, all you got to do is just pace yourself, and you can come out here and you can win this fight. I might be way off. Maybe Roman is this great talent, but I didn't really see it on tape, man. So we'll see what happens. But I'm going to lean with the more experienced Cadiz Ibrahimov here. Yeah, man, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think Ibrahimov, look, when you think about it, he's been in there with Daoun Jung, who's one of the top prospects at 205. He's been in there with Short Fuse, who's got, you know, been in the UFC for, you know, pretty much my whole life, damn near. And then you got, uh, so I just think the kid was kind of in, way in over his head, just fighting in fights that he had no business being in. I feel like uh, now this is, you know, a little bit more durable, uh, a little bit more of a, you know, this guy, like you said, 6-0, and not that much experience. He's been in there twice. So, man, I'm going to take Ibrahimov as well. He's got a lot of power. He's got, you know, like some, some big punches. He just, like you said, needs to pace himself. Maybe these two embarrassing losses is, is, is what uh, – is what does it for him. These are kind of like, you know, usually some some decent spots. Sometimes after the after these L's, they come back a, a little bit more rejuvenated. So And his back's against the wall. So let's see if he, uh, Cadiz wants to stay in the UFC. Now next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Alexandre Pantoja. He's 22-4. and four, And Asker Askarov is 11-0-1. Oh Currently, they got Alexandre Pantoja minus 200. The comeback on Askar Askarov is plus 170. Shaq, this is one hell of a matchup in the flyweight division. Obviously, you already know about the cannibal Alexandre Pantoja, one of the most badass guys at flyweight. And uh, he's a longtime veteran of the sport. I mean, this is a guy that was fighting for Amiga 10 years ago. Now he's doing his thing in the UFC. And, you know, his only losses in the octagon, I mean, the Dustin Ortiz fight could have gone either way. But basically, that was one of those situations where, hey, if you go out here and you stall out a guy like Pantoja, that's one way to beat him. The other way to beat him is the way Davison beat him, which is if you happen to be the hardest hitter at uh, 125, you know, like uh, Pantoja did nothing wrong in that Davison fight. Pantoja fought like Pantoja. Pantoja walked down Davison. It's just that the impact of Davison's shots are something else man and I, I don't think that uh Asker Askarov hits anywhere near as hard as that and when you think about Asker Askarov's fights on the regional uh, scene he was more so known for you know getting these subs off his back and he's really good at scrambling and stuff like that and I just kind of see it I just kind of find it difficult to see him going out there and submitting a guy like Pantoja so I, I feel like for him to win this fight he's kind of got to go out there stall it out you know ride that back position kind of like Dustin Ortiz did and I really don't think that Askar Askarov is 
that level wrestler. So I actually think this is kind of a tough matchup for Askar Askarov. And I, I like Askarov a lot. Look, he had a great fight with Brandon Moreno. Between you and me, he knocked out Tim Elliott in the first round. But credit to Tim Elliott's conditioning. He was able to recover midair and go the three rounds. But I, I like this kid a lot. And Pantoja, you already know the deal. He, he's, a, he's a true badass, man. So... I'm going to go with Pantoja here, man. I feel like he's got the edge in almost every area, and uh, he should be able to prove why he's the more dominant fighter here. Yeah, Pantoja, you know, I, I feel like this is kind of similar to his last fight, uh, like against uh, Schnell. It's just a different level of flyweights. You know, Pantoja's in that first tier, in my opinion, you know, a top three guy. I mean, just look what he did. Look what he's done to Moreno twice, you know. Moreno's the guy that they want to get the next title shot, and I mean, uh, the last time Pantoja, I know it's a different Moreno now, and I and I want to see the third fight, but Pantoja's beaten. Man, he beat Moreno twice, Kai Kara, he beat Schnell, he beat um, Wilson Hayes. Like, man, the guy uh, has definitely separated himself from a lot of the other featherweights. Askar Askarov, a, a very tough guy, young in his UFC career, and I think he has a bright future ahead of him. It's just that you see moments where a guy like Pantoja, like in that Elliott fight, he, he gets off to the good start, you know, almost knocks him out. But in that second round, you kind of saw Elliott come out there and, you know, Elliott didn't win the round, but you could just see moments where, you know, a better guy could pressure Askarov after he's a little tired. You know, he doesn't have the power in his uh, in his hands in comparison to Pantoja or in his kicks. He's more of a like a point scrambler, like kind of, you know, like you said, he's going to look to stall right out the position. And that has been a way guys have beaten Pantoja in the past. I know he lost on on tough to that uh, Japanese guy that way. And I know he lost to Ortiz that way. So, uh it, maybe it is a possibility, but I'm, I really see Pantoja hurting him with the strikes uh, after some scrambles, after they work back up to the feet. I feel like that's where Askarov's is most uh, vulnerable, and I feel like Pantoja will take advantage of it and probably get a knockout here. So I'm going to go with Pantoja. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Ariane Lipsky, the queen of violence, Shaq. She's 12-5, and five, and Luana Carolina is 6-1. and one. Currently, they got Ariane Lipsky minus 120. The comeback on Luana Carolina is plus 100. This is an interesting matchup, man, because uh, with Ariane Lipsky, the kind of hype she had coming into the UFC was unlike anything I've ever seen before, man. I mean, people thought she was just going to come out here, knock out Joanne Calderwood, get a title shot, all this stuff, and uh, things didn't go according to plan. I mean, people are so passionate about Ariane Lipsky. I remember when we picked Molly McCann at plus 245 odds against Lipsky and the kind of comments we got about that. It was almost like, you know, like we like we murdered a, someone's family member. You know what I mean? People got mad about that shit. But this is an interesting fight because Luana Carolina is a lot less experienced than the two people that uh, Lipsky lost to in the UFC. But stylistically, it's really interesting because I feel like Arian Lipsky probably hits harder than uh, than Carolina. But Carolina's got a little bit more volume. Carolina also leaves that chin in the air, which could you know, cause a knockout by uh, Lipsky. So Lipsky's live for a knockout here. It's just that down the stretch, I feel like the volume of Luana Carolina can kind of dictate how this fight goes. It's just about that early going because, like, one thing about Lipsky is she hits hard for that division standard. She's got a lot of knockdowns. You know, she knocked down her last opponent. She knocked down some people on that KSW scene. And um, even though she got completely dominated by, uh, you know, Joanne Calderwood and uh, Molly McCann. 
I, I feel like that's a different level than Luana Carolina. You know what I mean? Like when, when you compare, uh, you know, Luana Carolina, the best person she's ever been in there with is Priscilla Cachoeira. Like at least Ariel Lipsky went three rounds with the number three fighter on planet Earth and Joanne. And while she got schooled, she got broken. She got embarrassed, no doubt about it. Number three in the world is unlike anything that Luana Carolina's ever seen. So you got to give the experience edge to Lipsky for sure. But the toughness, I, I would give to Luana Carolina. I feel like she does better in a back-and-forth fight. It's just about the early going. That, that's where I'm most concerned because, like I said, Luana keeps that chin in the air. Lipsky can crack. So Lipsky's definitely live for an early knockout here. But the longer this fight goes, I think the volume's going to add up, and I think that Luana can possibly edge out a decision here. Yeah, uh, Lipsky is one of those fighters, you know, a lot of power for the, for, like you said, for that weight class. Um, but man, I, I still feel like if you make her think, make her have to use her brain in there, make her, make her really uncomfortable. That I still feel like she'll fade. I mean, I still feel like that aspect is still untested. Granted, you know, she's one year in the company. She got one win. Maybe she's a little comfortable now. Maybe she, you know, uh, will showcase more of her skills with, you know, that weight off her shoulders uh, after the first win. But even in that fight, you know, she almost knocked that girl out, but then like gives up these big takedowns and she's on her back for, extended periods of time so i feel like the ground game is still a working progress and on the feet yeah she's got this big power but you know a lot of female uh fights just don't end in knockout that much man so you know that's what coming over i was kind of skeptical about is like you know i know you can beat deanna belbita and you know you know all these other all these other chicks but like the ufc are you gonna get these knockouts uh they don't really happen that much in the, in the in the 125 division, but I think that uh, Lipsy's got the power edge. Carolina, like you said, leaves the chin up in the air. But I wouldn't be shocked if if Coach Lucas Monero Martins came out here and said, you know, let's uh, let's work these takedowns a little bit. Let's let's uh, put this girl on her back because, Matt, bro, every time she gets on her back, she like it's it's like one of those things where she has like no answer. So you know, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to exploit that. On the feet, it's going to be a 50-50 battle. I think Lipsky's stand-up's a little overrated, but I feel like at times she can be a little robot in there, you know, real stiff, slow. And I do feel like the teeps, the left high kick, you know, in the second and third rounds, it could definitely play a big factor. I feel like it's a 50-50 fight, so I'll, I'll take the dog as well. I'll, I'll go at uh, Carolina. You know, Lipsky, maybe maybe she gets this one. I wouldn't I'm from a betting perspective, I, I would say it's like one of those give or take either side. It's like I think it's uh lined appropriately. Now next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Mark Jacasey, he's fourteen and three, and Rafael Fiziv is seven and one. Currently they got Mark Jacasey minus one fifty five. The comeback on Rafael Fiziv is plus one thirty five. Well, Shaq, this is an interesting fight because, I mean, look, Marcia Casey, he's definitely paid his dues. I mean, he got signed to the UFC when he was, like, 22, and now he's, like, 26. So he's definitely matured a lot. And, I mean, he got thrown in the ringer there, man. I mean, he had to fight guys like Dan Hooker and Drakkar Close and Nazrat Hakpara. So it's understandable why he took those setbacks. But I feel like he came back better from them, man. That performance against Joe Duffy and Lando Venata, I feel like now he's starting to mature a little bit. You're starting to see the full game. And you've always seen glimpses. I mean, he's very flashy on the feet. He, 
hits extremely hard. Now you're seeing the calf kicks being mixed in. And also his wrestling game offensively, I like the fact that, you know, back in the day we always talked about that fight that was 1-1 going into the third round. He mixes in the takedowns to edge it out. So I like those kind of things. The fight I'm talking, about against, uh, talking about against Frankie Perez. Yeah, exactly, man. He he knew what to do back when he was 23. Now that he's 26, has all that experience behind him. You like to see it. And with uh, Fazeev, man, the dude can kickbox. <laughs> the dude can go out there and kickbox for sure. Uh, he's been very, very impressive on the feet. Uh, I mean, I know he got caught in his debut, but that spin kick to the face will knock out anyone. So it's one of those situations where Mark wants to come out here and have a technical kickboxing match with Fazeev. Fazeev's definitely live for an upset, but if Mark can kind of out MMA him, and you know when uh, when Fazeev thinks that Mark's gonna you know shoot for a takedown, that's when Mark can get off on some strikes. And when Fazeev thinks that Mark's gonna strike, that's when you know Mark Jacasey's gotta you know change levels and go for an entry, get a takedown. So Mark's got to keep him guessing this whole time. If he can do that, I think he's gonna go out there and win. He just has to be careful because, like I said. Fazeev can kickbox for real, so don't come out here and try to test out your improved kickboxing against this guy. And if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't fight with his ego, comes out here, uses the whole MMA arsenal, I think Jacasey should win this one. Yeah, you know, that's very important. Like you said, you know, I feel like that's a big key for Mark to win this fight is just, you know, let's make this as MMA as possible, you know, as wrestling clinch as possible, because Fizyev is one of these guys where he's, he's got a lot of power in those low kicks, and and we have seen the Casey at times struggle with guys that, uh, you know, kick his legs like Jakar Close. Uh, you know, his leg gave out in that fight. Hooker was bothering him with the calf kicks, you know, in the in the jab. But those guys are on a different level as Fiziev. It's just that Fiziev does have some good, uh, you know, speed, power. Uh, and he looked really good his last fight against Alex White, man. But this is a big step up to Casey. Like you said, look at the names he's already been in there with. Um, ever since he moved back to England, man, I, I feel like, you know, saying he went back to England, that things have just been looking real good for him. He, he just seems a lot, uh, a lot more positive. And I'm glad the UFC didn't cut him after that fight against Hackbrass. Cause I know a lot of people thought, uh, that they were going to cut him after that fight and that, uh, that was going to be it for Mark. So I'm glad to see him, to see him doing well, but yeah, I, I lean Mark, but I respect Fiziev to, to, to you know enough to not play mark uh i feel like it's going to be a tough fight both men are going to take a, a lot of blows and physio man he's got that good camp you know he, he's training with peter jan and them and you know a lot of those kazakhstani russians so uh i feel like he's going to be improved as well i'll take mark by split decision i think it's going to be a tough fight co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division we got a showdown between jack the joker hermanson He's 20 and 5, and Kelvin Gastelum is 16 and 5. Currently, they got Kelvin Gastelum minus 115, and Jack Hermanson is minus 105. So, I mean, Shaq, it's a pick em, and this is one hell of a matchup. I mean, I kind of view it as striker versus grappler, even though both guys are super well rounded. I think that uh, Kelvin wants to keep this standing and, and put those hands on Jack, and Jack wants to get on top of Kelvin and unleash uh, the greatest uh, ground and pound on planet Earth. So, which which way are you leaning on this one? Man, man, this is a this is a good one. This is a good one because you know I I'm, I'm a big fan of both guys. I've had my moments with both guys. Jack Hermanson, I mean this guy, I, I I love Jack. I love the Joker. You know, uh, you remember that Betty he won us on ta uh, on against Talos Latis back in the day. You know, with the broken rib, uh, he had some uh, some good wins, man. Um, beat Jacare, and then Kelvin Gaslam, man. 
You know, I remember I bet him to beat Rob Whitaker for the title, but, you know, we know what happened with that. Rob Whitaker, uh, you know, got injured there. But then, uh, I mean, Kelvin's one of the best middleweights his last fight. You know, I actually bet Till at big dog odds, you know, uh, it was just that, I mean, Kelvin, after that Izzy fight, it, you could see him, you know, getting in a place of comfort. You know, it's a fight that he lost, but everyone's telling him, oh, you know, good job. You know, you, you know, you look good, uh, you know, uh, this and that, and which he did. Those are all th- uh, good things. But then, you know, the mate, the weight miss thing. So, but I feel like, man, this version of Kelvin Gaslam, I've been seeing him on IG tra- training with these guys like Vittori and, and uh, Chikaze, uh, these guys are—they're getting—they've been getting their work in during this quarantine time. And Jack Hermanson, you know, I think that he's a—he's a, a legit top ten guy. It's just that, I, you know, even back in the day, I had suspicions that okay, well, you know, the the higher he goes up in competition, is it always going to be this? All we need is one takedown, and that's going to be it, you know? Because these guys at the top of the weight class, man, these guys are. Just on a on a different level, you can't do that with guys like Jared Cannonier. You know, I know Cannonier's ground game might not be the best, but if you give him, you know, you get a guy who's been finishing guys in the first round with one sub and and, and dominating them with the ground and pound, you give these guys three months to prepare for that, and they'll shut that down. So, and and I don't know if Jack Hermanson believes in his stand up enough to to stand up with these guys like Cannonier and Gastelum and Whitaker, et cetera. You know, I, I think that he's so, you know, used to getting that ground and pound and finishing guys. Look at the fights that he's had to strike in, you know, when he had when he f- had to fight Maheda back in the day. We remember what happened in that fight. You know, he, he couldn't stand toe-to-toe with him, and that was the same thing as last fight. And Kelvin, we know at times uh, when he does let that left hand go that he will put guys down. I remember his knockdown rate at one point in time was uh, 100%. I know it's not anymore, but he has knocked down a lot of guys at middleweight. And I actually think this is a good fight for Kelvin. I think that as long as he clears Jack's takedowns early, his clinch game, and even if he does get taken down, if he survives that first round, I feel like Jack Hermanson's just the type of guy that, you know, if he takes a big shot on the nose or on the chin in that second uh, second and third round, I feel like he's going to get dropped and he's not going to be able to recover. So I'm going to actually take Kelvin Gaslam to get like a third round TKO. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a good fight. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Jack got the first round submission, but I just think Kelvin has more of a window to win and is the, the better overall fighter. Yeah, it's a hell of a fight, man. And, you know, I, I feel your points. It's one of those things where we know that Kelvin's been taken down before. We know Weidman took him down. We know back in the day he's been taken down. Look, he's one of the smaller guys at 185. So there's a chance that when they clinch up that Jack might throw him around a little bit. It's just that Kelvin's one of these guys that's tough as nails, and he can take that early adversity and come back. You look at a fight like him and Tim Kennedy, and Tim Kennedy basically did in that first round what Jack's going to try to do here, which is body lock him, get him up against the fence, rough him up, take him down. And, look, there is definitely a chance that Jack comes out here and takes him down and smashes him. It's just that if Kelvin can survive that and get this to the second and third round, Man, uh, it's going to it's gonna be a long night for Jack because one thing about Jack is I feel like he's too smart for his own good. You know, man, the guy's got a super high IQ. He's, he's really intelligent, and that's cool and all for game plans. That's perfect. He comes up with some great game plans. It's just that the, the, the reason it's not that good is that when a fight gets tough, 
he kind of thinks too much. He kind of psychs himself out a little bit. So I think Jack is a little bit too smart for his own good sometimes. And, you know, people will say, well, what about the Talos latest fight? He overcame adversity there. And it's like, yeah, but that was a grappling-based fight. He does great in grappling-based fights. It's not like he overcame adversity from a knockdown in that fight. That's not what happened. I don't think Jack is the kind to, you know, if Jack gets knocked down one time, I don't see him coming back to win the fight is what I'm kind of trying to say here, Shaq. So I feel like the kind of adversity Jack can overcome is grappling-based adversity. And I don't really think Kelvin's going to come out here trying to shoot on a guy like Jack. I think that Kelvin's going to try to light him up. And I know that Kelvin had a big, a bit of a lackluster fight against Darren Till. But when you put it in perspective, man, it's like he had the fight of the year against the champion, Izzy Adesanya. He's 28 years old. We know that sometimes – Kelvin likes to, you know, chief up on some blunts, eat some pizza, miss weight a couple times. Look, he's not always going to show up as motivated. And you already know coming off a title loss, when you made the most money you've ever made, you were this close to accomplishing your dream. We know it can be hard to, to get up for the next one. And you saw in his last fight against Darren Till, you know, barely made weight and all this stuff. It was a lackluster performance. I feel like Kelvin does his best when everyone's counting him out. And right now, everyone's counting him out. And I feel like he's going to come out here hungry. Not hungry for the buffet, Shaq. Hungry for the victory. You know what I mean? And, and I think he's going to come out here and, look, he's just got to weather this early, you know, wrestling storm by Hermanson. I know Hermanson comes out with that great movement. The kicks are hard as hell. His body lock, his boot sweep, his guillotine, everything. I like Jack Hermanson a lot, and I think he might have some early success. But all I am saying is that if this fight hits round two or round three and uh, Kelvin starts getting off on some shots on the feet, I think he's going to light Hermanson up, and I think he might break him. So I'm actually going to go with Kelvin Gaslam to snap the two-fight skid and get back on track. Main event of the evening for the vacant flyweight title, we got the uncrowned champ, Davison Dicedugeja Figueredo. He's 18-1. and one. And Joseph Benavides is 28 and 6. Currently, they got Davison Figueredo minus 215. The comeback on Joseph Benavides is plus 178. Well, I mean, Shaq, uh, we saw this fight go down once. And I just want to say this, man. It, it's kind of scary when, like, you see fights a certain way and it doesn't even matter because all three judges view it completely differently. Like, for example, like, like it's just kind of concerning. It's like, all three judges score that first round for Joseph Benavidez, which, like, on the night I watched the fight live, last night when I watched the fight again, this morning when I rewatched it, I always score that first round for Davison. So that's really concerning to me. It's like maybe what I value in a fight is different than what the judges do because you look at the three areas that you can fight, the stand-up, the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu. In the stand-up, Yes, on paper, Joseph might have landed a couple more strikes, but, I mean, it's pretty damn clear that Davison landed the more impactful, the harder shots, no doubt about it. And it's funny, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, their stand-up exchanges kind of reminds me of this quote Conor McGregor said back in the day, back when he was at 145. He used to say, you know, the featherweights, they hit like flyweights, so it's nice down here. And, you know, that's kind of how I viewed the stand-up exchanges between Davison and Joseph. You know, Davison... He'd eat any shot Joseph threw at him, no problem. Like, oh, this is all this guy's got. And then when it was Davison's turn to land the offense, I mean, you saw him back up Benavidez. You saw him impact him. You saw him knock him out. As far as the wrestling, whenever Joseph would shoot on a takedown, it would be easily sprawled. Whenever Davison shot on a takedown, he picked up Benavidez and slammed him. 
the jujitsu. I mean, you saw that armbar attempt by uh, Davison Figueredo, and it wasn't just, oh, you rolled for a little armbar, you pull your arm out, we're good to go. No, I mean, this was some serious shit. That was clamped in. That was dangerous. That was scary. And Joseph Benavides had to resort to the hitchhiker escape, which is some real jujitsu to, to get out that armbar, man. So I feel like Davison won every area of the fight, the stand-up, the wrestling, the jujitsu. Second round goes out there, knocks him out. So... I don't understand how all three judges scored that first round for uh, for Joseph. And, and another thing, you know, we can talk about this headbutt, but, like, the same way I don't make excuses for Alex Perez getting headbutted by Joseph Benavidez, I'm not going to make excuses for Joseph Benavidez getting headbutted in, in this fight. And also, let me say this, it was Joseph's fault that he got headbutted because Joseph likes to charge in head first. So, I mean, like, they both clash heads. It's not, it's not Davison's fault that Joseph was impacted by it. But look, you guys know how I feel about rematches. The guy that won the first time wins the second time the majority of the time, especially in these title fights. And Joseph Benavidez doesn't seem like not, – not that he's not a big-game player because he's been a top-five guy his entire career. I would not discredit him like that. But, you know, you remember what, uh, you remember what Dana White used to say about Kenny Florian in title fights? He, he chokes in title fights. and It, it is what it is, man. So – I, I got Davidson Figueredo to finish Joseph Benavidez again. Yeah, you know, this fight, uh, you know, I'm a big Figueredo fan, have been from from the start. You know, back when I saw him fight my boy Dennis Fontes back in uh, Jungle Fights, I was like, damn, this guy is going to be <laughs> a fucking problem, you know. Um, but I think that uh, I feel like this is sad because I like Joe. I, who doesn't like Joe? We all like Joe. And Pretty much the big notion is, you know, I know a lot of people want to see Joe win and, you know, want him to finally get this belt. But, you know, when I'm hearing some of these interviews, it's like I almost feel like it's one of these cases of uh, we might have a delusional guy, man. You know, I feel like, you know, a lot of people need to know that there's a big difference between a head butt and a head clash. You know, y'all, Joe, you charge in head first, you were lunging overextending way in your head clash figurado fights with his hands down i mean a head clash is a head gash is a head clash is bound to happen when you're fighting figurado i mean the guy fights with his uh face you know right right in front of you man so i think that uh he's delusional on that talk i feel like uh you know yeah after that headbutt, you got knocked out. But this is an MMA fight, bro. This is especially against Figueredo. This this ain't even an MMA fight when you fight Figueredo no more, bro. This is a street fight, you know. This is a a fight for your life. Like Figueredo, I don't know. You remember what he did to John Moraga back in the day? John Moraga was in a pool of his own blood, and he couldn't even stand up. Look what he did to Pantoja, bro. I mean, Pantoja was out there getting molly whopped for you know brief periods of time. So. I feel like Benavidez is in over his head, to be honest. And I like Joe, and I feel like he's a great fighter. I think that now you're going to see Figueredo. I, I have a feeling he's going to make the weight. We'll see. Uh, but I know he did. He did have to cut an extra two pounds. But it, it's not about this weight cut. It's, it's like, guys, when he reloads and when he wakes up in the morning and he feels and he's gained, like, 30 pounds back and – and now, and now he feels really healthy, and now, uh, you know, he's turned into the god of war. 
Uh, I don't think Joseph Benavides can handle. It. I just don't think his chin. That fight, that first fight, he looked real slow. You know, like like I like I told you. Uh, you know, initially I was like, bro, I thought Davison almost broke his arm in the first round, and you know, uh, and you know had that nice arm bar. And yeah, he definitely cracked Davison, but those shots don't affect Davison. Fought Pantoja the same way. You know, told him to keep hitting him. Those shots don't affect them. Uh, I, I see this being ending in brutal knockout as well. I feel like Joseph, it, it's almost one of those things where the fans and, you know, all the people behind the scenes that work for the UFC, it's like one of those things where they've like, when uh, Cejudo left, it's like everyone put in his head that like, oh, you're going to be the champion now as if like, you know, this is a foregone conclusion. Like, oh, Joe, you're going to finally get your belt. Like, oh, for sure. Like, bro, like, like Davison Figueredo doesn't exist. Like these other guys don't exist. And then like coming into this one, it's like a similar thing. Everyone's like, oh, the headbutt changed the fight. You know, oh, the, if it wasn't for the headbutt, Joe was winning. Like, you know, if it wasn't for the headbutt, Joe was doing this and he was doing that. And I see it differently. I see Davison you know, defending his uncrowned belt, but finally uh, getting his real belt. And I think Waleed Ishmael is going to be, you know, finally get himself a, a UFC champion. And, and they're going to be cele- celebrating in the jungle in Brazil. Man, it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Uh, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, and while we both agree that Davison probably makes weight, he probably goes out there and fights uh, Joe B. Real quick, let's talk about the possible replacement. Uh, let's Let's talk about what would happen if Pantoja fought. Uh, Joseph Benavidez for the title. Uh, I personally got Pantoja there. If this, if he's an underdog, I'll be betting Pantoja at underdog odds. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where I actually think the fight would be a little bit closer. But Joseph Benavidez puts too much pressure on himself in title fights, man. He doesn't perform as best. You could see his anxiety just in the walkout in the fight introductions last time. And uh, I, I feel like Pantoja would be in a situation where he's got nothing to lose. I think he's got the better chin, and I think that he could walk Benavidez down and turn it into a violent fight and eventually get him out of there late or edge a decision. So if they happen to fight, I got Pantoja. Yeah, you know, I, I got Pantoja as well. Definitely be a closer fight, a tougher fight for him in comparison to Figueredo. But, you know, like you said, I feel like it's almost like this – They're like people coddle Joe into this belief that this belt, you know, is his or should be his, like he doesn't have to go out there and earn it. And it kind of disturbs me, but you know, I get it, man. He's a nice guy. You know, he's a great guy. It's just, uh, you got to fight for these things, man. It's one thing to say, you know, he got headbutted, but it's like, it's so far from a head, like a headbutt is like, you know, I, I don't I can't think of an example. It's like uh like that's not a headbutt. Like he's over lunging, he he's sloppy, you know. <laughs> that's his fault. Like, you know, in the in the head clash. But hey, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, and I got Pantoja. I feel like Pantoja would probably get to get to him in the in the late rounds and really hurt him with punches. And I know and I know Pantoja would love to beat up his uh former opposing tough coach. You know, that would be a, a great feat. You know, beat Moreno, beat beat Joe, beat uh you know, a bunch of other guys, so Kai Kara. So, you know, uh, I know Pantoja would love to do that. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 30? My fight to watch is going to be Mark DeCasey versus Fiziev, man. I feel like Mark DeCasey, if 
he gets this win. I feel like he deserves a big fight, man. I feel like uh, it, that would have been like, you know, a complete recovery. I mean, a lot of people thought this guy was completely done. And if he can beat a, you know, a top rising tough prospect like Fiziev, who a lot of people have got their eyes on, I feel like that'll be a big statement, especially if he can get a finish. And then Fiziev gets the win. Man, he's a, he's about to be a, a big star, especially if he knocks the Casey out or something or dominates him, you know, then uh, I could see him being like a, a real staple on that, you know, Russian Kazakhstani scene. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that fight. Yeah, for me, my fight to watch is going to be Montel Jackson versus Brett Johns. I mean, like I told you all, this reminds me of a bantamweight version of John Jones versus Ryan Bader, a true prospect showdown. The winner is going to really catapult themselves to – that top 15 to a potential title shot down the line, uh, you know, if they keep winning all these fights. And these two are so damn talented in every area of the game. This is truly a fight to watch. So for me, Brett Johns versus Montel Jackson is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Fight Island? My hey, fighter. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Davison made weight. What, 125? 125 on the dot. You know, you know, my boy's about to get his belt finally, once and for all. But, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, my fighter to watch is uh, Kelvin Gaslam, bro. He needs this win badly. And, it, you know, it would be a shame if I feel like if Kelvin lost this fight, you know, he I feel like he'd go down as one of the fighters that uh, kind of I know he was the last pick on tough, but kind of didn't live up to his potential, man, because I, I know that at one point in time, you know, a lot of people did believe he was on this mission for gold, you know, uh, but man, he needs this win bad. I feel like he needs a knockout win to really stay in this middleweight race. I think this is the most important fight of his career because, man, you don't want to take three L's, at, especially with the guys coming up, coming up at middleweight these days. You don't want to turn into the... Uh, to the, the the guy that all the prospects fight. So, you know, I feel like Kelvin Gaslam, you know, it'll be it'll be sad to see him, you know, after that great Izzy fight and, you know, the career that he's had so far, you know, take three oh. So he, he needs this win. He's my fighter to watch. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be an unbelievable fight for so many different reasons. Uh for me, my, my fighter to watch is uh Alexandre Pantoja, man. I mean, this is a guy who is obviously one of the most exciting flyweights on planet Earth. He's a top five guy. He's in line for a title shot, you know, to get the winner of Davison versus Joseph. And I'm very curious about his psychology because all week it was a thing where it's like, hey, you might actually get a title shot Saturday, but you also got to focus on the very, very tough Asker Askarov. And for a lot of guys, that whole thing of not knowing who you're fighting might fuck with them. But Pantoja doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. You know, he's had what over, you know, He's had over 25 pro fights. He's been there. He's done that. He's a true warrior. So I'm curious to see how he performs here. He's going to come out here, take a lot of risks against a, a guy like Asker Askarov. Is he going to kind of try to play it safe because he knows a title shot is, uh, you know, waiting uh, afterwards. So I I'm really curious to see uh, Pantoja's approach here. And for that reason, he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down Saturday night in Fight Island. Davison Figueredo versus Joseph Benavides for the vacant flyweight title. Davison made weight, so it is official now, my friend. Uh, man, I cannot wait. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Hit us up at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, 
all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week for the Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till card. Going to be a lot of exciting times ahead. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.